You're listening to the Journey to Launch podcast. How to change overthinking from a super problem to a superpower with John Acuff. Welcome to the Journey to Launch podcast with your host, Jamila Souffrant. As a money expert who walks her talk, she helps brave journeyers like you get out of debt, save, invest, and build real wealth. Join her on the journey to launch to financial freedom in, in five, four, three, two, one. Hey, 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 journeyers. Welcome to the Journey to Launch podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jamila Souffrant, and I'm thrilled, super thrilled that you are here with me today. So listen, we're going to be tackling a problem that we all have had or probably just need to get over, and that's overthinking. So I thought, who better to tackle this and help us get through this than the author of the book, Soundtracks, The Surprising Solution to Overthinking, which is John Acuff. Who is John Acuff? So John Acuff is a New York Times bestselling author of seven books, including the number one Wall Street Journal bestseller, Finish. Give yourself the gift of done. He's an Inc. Magazine top 100 leadership speaker. And he's just, I mean, you'll hear it. He was dropping straight gems <laughs> in our conversation. And I just think that this is so important for all of us to understand that what we tell ourselves, how we think leads to our emotions and what we do. And so once we can figure out how to rewire our brain so that we can have positive soundtracks, and we'll talk about what soundtracks are in the episode, we will be unstoppable. Hello, right, journeyers? So I'm really excited to talk to John and I may or may not put out the video interview. So John and I recorded this also as a video but I was living one of those mom slash entrepreneurship lives because my daughter, Blake, was home. And so we were going through some things. But this was such a great episode that I said to myself, we're going to get through this. We're going to do what we have to do. And so go to my YouTube channel. The video may or may not be out, but go check it out. And even if you're not going to see the video, I do have other video interviews on my Journey to Launch YouTube channel. So go over there and check it out. You can just type Journey to launch into YouTube or check the description in your show notes or wherever you listen to this. Now a word from our sponsor, DCU. Financial education is key because it equips us with the knowledge, confidence, and skills to become better with our money, which is why I'm excited to share the Think Like a Saver Town Hall series, sponsored in part by DCU. DCU has partnered with America Saves to sponsor the series, which are fully virtual events that are free and open to the public. No DCU membership is required to attend. The series is designed to help attendees learn more about a variety of financial topics, including how to buy your first home and paying for education. You can catch the replay of the series for free by going to www.dcu.org slash America Saves. If you want the episode show notes for this episode, go to journeytolaunch.com or click the description of wherever you're listening to this episode. In the show notes, you'll get the transcribed version of the conversation, the links that we mentioned, and so much more. Also, whether you are an OG journeyer or brand new to the podcast, I've created a free jumpstart guide to help you on your financial freedom journey. It includes the top episodes to listen to, stages to go through to reach financial freedom, resources, and so much more. You can go to journeytolaunch.com slash jumpstart to get your guide right now. Okay, let's hop into the episode. Five, 
All right. Hey, Journeyers. I'm really excited to have on today's guest, John Acuff, who I have, I read his book and we're going to talk about that soundtracks. And I've also, you know, followed up on your work, John. I first heard you on another podcast and I know that this is a personal finance podcast, but what I really love talking about is all the things that matter and how we make decisions around our money and which is our mindset. And so this book was perfect that you wrote to talk about why we do the things we do, how we can improve the things we tell ourselves so that we can make progress towards our goals. So welcome to the Journey to Launch podcast, John. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, so first, I don't know how familiar my audience is with you. Hopefully, they get really familiar and then They're go They're probably huge fans, if I had to guess. <laughs> just huge. I mean, that's probably. my assumption. That's my assumption. They're like, oh my gosh, finally, John finally. Aiken, he's so tall. He's so tall. I can't wait. But I mean, this is not your first book. You have had a just a long um, run in writing and in the space of just personal development and help, self-help, if I can say that. And so I'd just like you to give a background just for people who may not be familiar with who you are. Sure. I spent about 14 or 15 years in corporate marketing. So I worked for brands like Bose and Home Depot and Staples. I started kind of blogging and realized there's a lot of, there's a lot of fun people out there and the internet has leveled the playing field with sharing ideas. So I started to really get into social media and blogging. And then um, that got the attention of a guy named Dave Ramsey. Um, and so I spent three years with him touring and speaking and doing radio stuff and got a really great kind of PhD in, in personal branding and personal finance. And after that, wanted to start my own company. So about eight years ago, I started my own company and I've written a seven books. Um, the latest one is Soundtracks. And then before that, there was a book called Finish about finishing your goals. And before that was a book called um, Do Over. The other thing I do, I write books and I go speak about the book. So I, I do about 50 events a year for companies like Comedy Central and Microsoft and FedEx. And so that's the other side of my work. Yeah. And so I love in leaving, I didn't read like the subtext of your book. It's really Soundtracks, The Surprising Solution to Overthinking. And I think it's interesting you had like the background with Dave Ramsey, who was personal finance and kind of like being on this show. And I have a different approach um, than Dave. But I think all together, like this, the overthinking can apply to overthinking about going to get that promotion that, you know, you know, you deserve or want overthinking about where to invest, overthinking about going after a goal. So I want to start there with why this topic? Like, how did you know that it was time to write about this? Well, when you, I think that any best selling idea, whether it's a, a podcast, whether it's a speech, whether it's a book, whether it's a business, always needs three things in common. Number one, you need to identify a need. Do people really need it? Are the listeners asking for this? Are the people in my community, when I'm speaking to people, you know, is this a question I get? So you find a need. The second thing you find is a personal connection. Am I personally connected to this? You care about personal finance and that comes through in your episodes. There's a personal connection to that. If you're going to talk about this, you want to have a personal connection. The third is you find a place in the marketplace. So you say, okay, it's not so crowded that I can't find my spot. So with overthinking, the PhD, this guy named Mike Peasley, who helps me with research, we asked 10,000 people if they struggle with overthinking. So huge study and 99.5% of people said yes, they struggle with overthinking and mindset. So we knew, okay, wow, the need's there. Second thing, changing the way I thought changed my own life years ago changing a few simple thoughts because your thoughts turn into your actions, turn into your results. And most people over-focus on their actions and they never change the underlying results, which are steering the whole ship and they're confused why they keep running into the rocks. So I had a personal connection to the topic. And then when I went into the marketplace, I realized there's a lot of great resources about overthinking and mindset, 
but a lot of them either get really holistic and fuzzy. There's nothing practical. It's kind of like throw your idea out into the universe and the universe will take care of you. And that's not true for a second. The universe doesn't care about John Acuff. It's busy like ramming boats in the Suez Canal. Like that, that is never a life. Like if you gave financial advice, it was like, just say what you want out loud and it'll happen automatically. Like, well, enjoy being broke because that's what's going to happen. Like that's what's going to happen. And so they were really holistic or they would say, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop overthinking. And my opinion was, why would I ever turn off this amazing machine I've got? What if I just fed it with good thoughts, with good soundtracks? This phrase I, I used, imagine what I could do then, because I really believed you can turn your overthinking and your mindset from a super problem into a superpower. And with neuroplasticity and the understanding now we have scientifically that we can change the physical shape of our brains with our thoughts, there's all this new research that we have that says, okay, you can do that. So once I had those three things, I knew, okay, I need to spend years on this topic. And that's what I did. Yeah, so it's evident that you did the research. And I love that you mentioned, you know, that's the thing too. It's just like sometimes what the people call woo-woo or just like kind of like this manifestation of things and just saying things. It's like, sure, for some people that works, but a lot of people that doesn't if you're very analytical. And so finding that merge, we can almost basically show why at the end of the day, the thoughts matter from a scientific point is important. You need both. I mean, you, you definitely need both. Uh, you know, and I'm not a... I'm not a positive person by nature, but I always tell people fear comes free, hope takes work. You don't have to look for negativity. It'll find you. You've Every listener has been in the grocery store and had a negative thought hit them out of nowhere on a mistake they made three years ago. That doesn't happen with good thoughts. Scientifically, that doesn't happen. So you have to work at it. So it is a combination. And so I'm a big believer in the power of positive thinking and affirmations. But I'm a big believer in tying those into actions because I can, you know, according to the New York Times, 81% of Americans want to write a book and every year less than 1% do. So 81% say they want to and 1% do. And so the idea of just saying it out loud, but never sitting down to write doesn't mean you ever get to write a book. The idea of saying, I want to start a business, but then you never do the work of doing it. The business doesn't exist. And so I'm big on positive thinking, big on the power of that, but I'm even bigger on attaching that to tangible action, which turns into tangible results. Right. Like aligned action. Like that's what it is all about. Okay. So help us, John, help us all figure out how we can stop overthinking. So where's the place to start? If you know that you are, some people know they're overthinkers, like they just know it. So they're like, Oh, this is for me. Like they saw the title of this podcast and they were like, I need to look at this. Some people actually don't understand how much they overthink and how much it is stopping them. So let's, if there's a difference in approach for those two people or two sets, how would you do that? Or if not, how would you then just for someone listening, how do I stop overthinking? So I'll give them, I'll give you two quick things you can think about. One is people often say, John, I'm not an overthinker. I'm just analytical. You know, like some of your audience would say, I'm analytical, I'm detailed, I'm prepared. Awesome. The difference between being prepared and overthinking is being prepared leads to action. Overthinking leads to more overthinking. So if you said to me, John, I've been researching all these investment options and then I invested, awesome, you're prepared. Like be prepared, that's the best. If you say to me, John, until I have all the information about investing, I won't invest, I have terrible news for you. You'll never have all the information. We haven't lived in an all information world in a hundred years. It's impossible for you to have all the information. You have enough and you take a calculated risk and you make some smart decisions. The second thing I'd say is, the fastest way to determine if you have a broken soundtrack, so a soundtrack, again, is a repetitive thought around your money, is to write down a money goal or money desire. And it can be anything. It can be, I want to pay off my credit card debt. I want to be able to buy a house someday. I want to retire at a certain age. Write that down and then listen to the first thoughts you have. 
Every reaction is an education. So when you write down, I want to save this amount of money, and your first thought is, you'll never be able to do that. Your parents didn't set you up right. Other people had better advantages than you. Like if all of a sudden you have negative thoughts, then you've got a broken soundtrack and you've got some work to do. Well, first of all, I'm glad you defined soundtrack because we didn't really define what it meant. (laughs) So I'm glad you said that. It's like, you know, that repetitive thought process. But you know what's interesting to me is that, like, I know I have a negative, some negative soundtracks, but... They're sometimes to me so subconscious. Like I don't ever think through, like sometimes I'll say, oh, I need to do this thing. And then something quickly I can hear or feel that negative thing, but it's quick. It's never really played out, but it still impacts the way I act. Like, and so I think that's something too, where people are like, well, I don't ever really say all those things. Well, part of it is learning to listen to yourself. I mean, the problem is the more times you say it, the easier it is to hear it again. Like, for instance, um, families have broken soundtracks. So I, I talked to somebody and his last name was Scoggins. And he said, "Our my dad used to say, Scoggins don't get ahead, they get by. So as a child, he heard that broken soundtrack over and over and over and over again. So that one is ingrained. The second, you know, or must be nice. When somebody else has something good happen to them, if your mom or dad or uncle or whoever said, must be nice, must be nice, must be nice, then all of a sudden they're telling you, you don't get those good things. You don't like, they must have, you know, and it creates all these broken soundtracks. So a lot of times it's a practice. It's learning how to listen to the stories you're telling yourself about yourself, about the world about what you're capable of, about the work you do. And so, and that takes time. There's times in life where knowing a single truth can change everything. For instance, I worked with somebody and he was terrible to get along with, just the worst, horrible coworker. And I learned that his wife had cancer and that changed everything. It completely changed my understanding of who he was. There's other times where you've had this broken soundtrack for 10 years and you're going to have to put in some effort to go, no, I'm going to have a different soundtrack. I'm going to believe a different thing about myself and it's going to take work and action and time, but I'm going to do it. Yeah, there's a lot of self-responsibility and a need for being radically honest because you like there's no one else that can, you know, unless they know you really well, but ultimately it's still you that has to say, what is really going on in my mind and sit with that. Yeah, and then take the ownership to work on it. You only get to fix problems you own. One of the worst, best days for me was when I realized that I'm the source of most of the chaos in my life. Like, I'm the source. And that was the worst day, because then I couldn't blame other people, I couldn't blame my past, couldn't blame circumstances, whatever. It was the best, because then I could go, okay, knowing that, what can I do? What can I change? Now, the good thing, like you said, having other people in your life, they can be a mirror. There are times where you need a close friend that'll go, hey, you're saying this, but this is what you're doing, so there's a disconnect. I want to hold up this mirror, because I care about you, and I want. I don't think you can see... like. It, I use the relationship example. Sometimes you're in a bad relationship and it's like you're so close to the painting, you can't see what it really is. And your friends are 10 feet away and then go, no, that is a terrible painting, but you're so close to it, you can't tell. And then you break up with a person and months later you go, hey, why didn't you tell me this person was so terrible? And your friends go, we did, like constantly, but you were so close to it. So we do need other people that are outside of the situation and go, hey, I care about you. You know, Here's something I think you need to think about. Okay, so we just touched upon why, like how one can even know if they're having like negative soundtracks, these thoughts that keep repeating. You have to sit with yourself, you have to be honest, radically honest, and it's not going to be overnight because some things are so subconscious, you even know that it's happening. Once they find out like, wow, I do have a lot of this going on, what should they do? Well, so there's three steps and that's what the book teaches it. You retire your broken soundtracks. So you figure out, you identify them, you retire them. The second thing is you replace them with new ones. 
And then the third thing is you repeat the new ones so often they become as automatic as the old ones. So retire, replace, repeat. Because it's not it's not that you're not going to have any thoughts. Like it's insane to think, oh, just stop thinking. You're a thinking machine. Thinking is one of the things that separates us from the animals. It's, you know, it's how we're wired. So you're going to think thoughts. It just becomes a matter of going, okay, what are the thoughts I want to think? Most people don't understand. They get to choose their thoughts. And then the third thing is, okay, well, how do I repeat these new ones? So often they become automatic. Right. Do you have an example in your life where you consciously reprogrammed your soundtrack? A hundred percent. I mean, I have, I have a, one written on my wall. I'll grab it right off. So this one note card says, I love writing this book. And that was from November 6, 2019. Because writing a book is hard. It's challenging, but it's also a huge privilege. It's a huge privilege. And so a lot of writers ruin their books because they, they have these broken soundtracks that say, writing is easy. You just open up a vein and bleed on the page. You're like, I got to go to the coal mine. Like, what? And so I needed a reminder, like, and this isn't sexy. This isn't hooky. Like anybody could write these exact same words. I need that reminder. Another one would be this. I wrote, ask for more on a note card. I wrote that August 27th, 2020, because I found myself undervaluing my work in negotiations. So I needed a soundtrack on the wall that I saw a hundred times a day that said, ask for more. So that when I was doing a negotiation, when I was doing a pitch, I'd go, oh, that's right. Like I need to up the fee. Like, oh, that's right. The thing I'm doing has value. Oh, that's right. You know, and then the third one I'll show you. This one just says, people are trying to give you money. People are trying to give you money. So it's really easy when you've had a bad financial situation to walk away with broken soundtracks that go, people are going to take advantage of me. People are out to get me. And then you go into a new situation with your hands clenched. And clenched hands have no open hands for new opportunities. And so it's kind of like when you go to a restaurant and the waiter or waitress is rude and you're like, I'm just trying to give you money. Like you're a restaurant, you serve food. Like I'm not in your kitchen. Like if I was in your living room, you should be like, what are you doing in my house? This is, but if I'm like, if you're in an outfit at a restaurant, like all I want to do is give you a baller tip. But if you've got a terrible attitude, then you like you hurt the relationship. And so for me, that was a reminder. When I go into business situations, the reason we're in these situations is these people are trying to give me money and my attitude and my optimism and my effort and my hustle should reflect that. Yeah, I love that. And you had visual, visual cues. So hopefully we can release this video so you can actually see that he pulled, he actually pulled off like index cards and was showing us, um, for just the listeners right now. And so it also sounds like, and I know you talk about this in the book, like you have to be reminded and however that much that takes, you know, is to be reminded, like where you see something, not like you tell yourself, I'll remember that. You may not. You have to see it too. <laughs> no, you won't. You won't remember the, I mean, your brain, you won't remember the good things. Your brain tends to misremember things. There's so much research about it remembering negative things faster than positive things. And there, I mean, imagine this, like if somebody says to you, I want to get better at not comparing myself to other people. And they spend two hours a day on Instagram, average American, two, two hours and 24 minutes on social media. They're being reminded every day, a thousand ways to compare themselves. And they don't even have a single note card in the opposite direction. And then they go, it's so weird that I can't change that. Habit. It's not weird, dude. It's not weird at all. You're giving Instagram a two hour head start every day. Then don't, then don't say the goal or say the goal, own it, have a note card, have a note card on your fridge, on your bathroom mirror, you know, talk to a friend about it, but don't go, okay, I'm going to look at Instagram for two hours, feel terrible. Like I'm going to feel terrible about comparing myself. And then I'm going to tell somebody, I just wish I didn't compare myself so much. Like, no, like if that's a good goal, let's work on it. Let's do some stuff. Right. 
Okay, I have a special treat for you. For the first time in 2021, Terry Ichioma of Trade and Travel and I are teaming up to do a live webinar in class all about learning how to trade as a side hustle or your full-time hustle. Now, Terry is no stranger to the Journey to Launch podcast. She's been on episodes 154, episode 172, and I even invited her trade and travel students on the podcast on episode 173 to talk about their experience in the course, how they learn to trade. And so if you've been wondering what it's like to learn how to trade as a side hustle, or maybe you want to turn into your full-time hustle, then you should come to this class. It's going to be on October 27th at 8.30 p.m. Eastern time. You can sign up by going to journeytolaunch.com slash trade class. Once again, Terry Ijeoma and I are teaming up. If you wanted to learn more about how to trade, who's it for, who's it not for, why this is something you can consider if you're trying to do this as a side hustle to earn extra money for your goals, come join us live on October 27th at 8.30 p.m. Eastern time. Go to journeytolaunch.com slash trade class to sign up now. This is also very timely. I just, I mean, when this episode comes out, it'll be a couple of weeks after when we're discussing this, but I just came back from FinCon, which is the personal finance or finance conference. And I was a big idea speaker. And um, one of my, well, my theme was about just starting, like instead of starting with the end in mind, like we typically are taught that it's more important to start with the beginning in mind. So you just start and you can dream big, but you need to think small to execute. <laughs> and they loved it. And for me, it was like such a simple, like not simple, but you know, I was like, wow, it's such a simple thing, but it's so important to understand and know. And it reminds me of kind of what you're saying about like the overthinking. And to me, sometimes when we, we have, we're visionaries or we have these big goals for ourselves and we're far from them, it can be easy to not know how to get to that end goal. And therefore think of the million ways it's possible to get there and then just say, okay, forget it. I can't, I don't even know which one it takes. So I'll just stay still. Yeah. We get overwhelmed. We overwhelm ourselves before we've taken the first 10 steps. I mean, there's situations where I'll say the growing is in the going, like go, go to the land. I'll show you like the growing is in the going. And so you won't learn these lessons until you're in motion. And so you've got to get in motion and you've got to figure it out and it won't be perfect. It's going to take you every book that's ever been written was not the book they intended to write at the beginning because every book changes along the way. And it should in a year, you want to learn new things. You want to add new things. People are going to change it. And so if you said to yourself, I have to have the perfect plan, same with finances, you're going to have opportunity, like no one listening to this should think they have to be in control before they make a decision because last year taught everyone you're not in control. You're, you're a hundred percent not of a lot of things. You're in control of a lot of things like your attitude and your effort. And there's definitely things in your control, but there's a lot of financial things that aren't. And you've got to be willing to pivot as the situation changes and teaches you something new. Yeah, I mean, that's what I've found as a common through line for most successful people who have been on the podcast and even seeing how I've navigated my finances and entrepreneurship is literally like, I can't like, it's more about being resilient and overcoming. And if you have the thoughts, I think this is important too. Just because you have negative soundtracks or even if you have worked on it and you think you you made it, you're not still going to be all positive. Like you will revert back to negative thoughts, but it doesn't mean you failed, right? You just keep going. You you bounce back and you say, okay, that's that's that. But what are your thoughts on that for someone who, who's being hard on themselves? Well, I wrote a book about perfectionism called Finish, where we studied that about what does it take? And the first chapter was the day after perfect. And it's the hardest day of a goal. When we, we saw, we did a 30-day test of when people quit their goals in a 30-day period. And most people think, oh, day 10, day 12, it's day two. 
And it's the biggest drop off was on day two because it was no longer perfect. I mean, the thing I, the thing I tell people all the time is 80% perfect and shared with the world beats a hundred percent perfect and stuck in your laptop. And so, yeah, I think that's part of it is giving yourself that grace. Um, to me, resilience is the ability to try again. Like it's the ability to try again because you fell down and realizing, okay, uh, you know, I've got to give myself the grace to do that. I've told every parent in the world that because I met so many parents during the pandemic that would tell me, John, I'm the worst at virtual schooling. I'm the worst, I'm the worst and worst. And I go, yeah, you should be because you've never done it. And the hardest time to learn something new is in the middle of a global pandemic. You probably suck at hang gliding too, because you've never done that. You should be terrible at virtual schooling. You've never done it. And so the soundtrack that I had people write is, this is my first global pandemic. Every mom, every dad should write on a post-it note, this is my first global pandemic. If it was your 10th, I might be like, you got to get it together. But this isn't. It's your first. So you should suck at it. And there should be stumbling and there should be COVID weight and all the stuff that people deal with. Like, we should forgive ourselves for a lot of the things we're struggling with because it's new. Yeah. How do we balance? First of all, I love that because I was one of those parents and I'm just like, what is this? Like, I can't, yeah, I can't exactly. Like, but there's that like fine line where you're, you want to change your soundtracks and think positively, but then also act. So it's not just, you know, throwing out just toxic positivity, but that's the thing. Like some people will say, what's the fine line in being honest with yourself and not being too hard on yourself. And then like toxic positivity where things are, are not going well. And it literally is like, or people will tell you, Oh no, things are fine. No, they're not like, so what's that fine line with the thinking, your internal thinking of not making it that you're delusional in a way? Yeah. I mean, I think part of that is your relationships. Um, I think that an honest conversation with a friend who's not a cheerleader can be helpful. We all have cheerleader friends and they're awesome. They're great for certain moments where you just need somebody to go, you're the best, you're doing great. But a friend who loves you enough to tell you the truth. The thing I say is leaders who can't be questioned end up doing questionable things. Show me a business that fell. Show me a church that fell. Show me a team that fell. I'll show you a leader who is isolated and could only be told things they wanted to hear. So we do need people in our life that love us enough to tell us things we won't like, that love us enough to go, hey, here's this situation. So we we do need that there. And then so much of this comes down again to actions or how you spend your time or, you know, the things you're actually doing. So yeah, toxic positivity to me often has no degree of action. It just has a whole lot of words. And, you know, I'm married, I've been married for 20 years. And, and one of the things I've learned in marriage is that it's easier for my wife to trust my actions than it is my announcements. If I go, I'm doing this thing, she can't like, that's hard for her to get on board with. There's no, there's nothing real. If I go, Hey, I've been getting up all week at 5am to run in the morning. I think I'm going to try to lose 10 pounds. She can support the heck out of that. Cause she's supporting my actions, not my announcements. So many people, when it's toxic positivity, they only make announcements. They never transition to action. And so I, I think that's one of, that's one of the fine lines for people is, okay, well, what are my actions saying? What is my calendar saying? What is, what are the last three jobs I've had said? Like, what are, you know, what can I see that's true versus just a bunch of things I said? Yeah. And I have a lot of people who are, who listen and they have jobs and I think you could be creative and, you know, a nine to five and be an entrepreneur. Like, you know, you have that spirit and, or you're, you have a side hustle that you want to become your main hustle. You have, you're a full-time entrepreneur. And one of the things you talk about is like, if some of this could also just be your, your creativity being blocked and how to surround yourself with just outlets that help unblock that and that help you maybe create those soundtracks. So can we talk a little bit about that for people who are feeling uninspired or stuck, what they can do? Yeah. So, I mean, I, 
you know, when I first kind of started to go down this path of writing books and doing, starting my own business, I really realized, okay, I can't quit my job right now. I've got two kids under the age of four. I've got a full-time job. I've got an Atlanta commute. I've got freelance clients, but I still wanted to write a book. So one of the things I did was I would get up early. Like I would, you know, the principle I taught was be, be selfish at 5 a.m. You know who's not asking for my time at 5 a.m.? Nobody. Nobody's asking for like, but if I'll do the work and get up and do that, then I get to feed that. And then the big thing with a day job versus a dream job or a day job versus a side hustle is you don't get to be lazy five days a week at your day job and think you'll hustle on the weekend. You're practicing being lazy and you think you're going to flip a switch. Like, no, 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 no. One of the things that nobody likes to admit, but is 100% true is if you want to crush it on the weekend or your side hustle, be in motion during your during your day job. Like, show up, be present, hustle, work, because all of that is contributing to you being really good at your side hustle. So for me, seeing that I was one person, not separate people, like seeing that I was, you know, focused on the side hustle stuff too. And then the other thing I would say is, I think it's really powerful um, to learn how to do a side hustle before it needs to pay every bill. So the big thing is, if you've got a side hustle, Go learn in a smart way. When somebody tells me, John, I want to open a coffee shop, I'll say, okay, have you ever worked at a coffee shop? Um, If they say no, I'll say, go work at Starbucks for six months. Get paid. You're going to get paid to learn, and you'll discover if you hate coffee and humans. But a lot of times, we want to just go for it, and I'd much rather you go, here's the practice, here's the patience, here's what I learned, here's the things I did on the side. So I think there's really smart ways to do a side hustle, and there's really you know, foolish ways to do it too. And so I think when you can to do it at the right pace and to really prove to yourself and the people that are in your life supporting you that, okay, no, I'm putting in the work, I'm putting in the effort. Yeah. And I mean, I'm curious more about your personal journey as you evolved um, in this space and made a name for yourself in a living, how you knew when to let things go and pivot, like how you knew when to spend more time focusing on writing and speaking versus something else that maybe other people told you you should do? Because I'm sure you still now even probably get requested to do certain things. And it's like, well, that's not what I, sh- what I should do. So can you talk a little bit about that journey, that how you found yourself yet here? Sure. I, I think there's a, there's a number of things I kind of think through. One is you're never done. Like I never have arrived. Like there's still, there's still moments where I'm like, oh man, that blew up in my face. What did I learn? And I think of it like a test. So for instance, Last March, I'm a live event speaker and, and every live event got put on pause. So, you know, 60% of my business's revenue got impacted. And so like I was frustrated and grumpy about that for a period, but eventually I said, okay, you know, I can, I can pine or I can plan. I can pine for how things used to be. Uh, it was, or I can plan. Okay. It's time to plan. Like I've had enough grumpy, whatever. It's time to plan. And so the question I asked was, what would have made this year easier? What, you know, ha- like, what could I have had that would have made this year easier? And then I realized, wow, having a podcast would have made this year easier because then I would have had another revenue stream, more ways to connect with people. So I started a podcast called All It Takes is a Goal because I knew a year from now, I wanted that to be healthy. And so I always tell entrepreneurs, okay, what, you know, what do you need to build that a year from now is in a good place? Like start building it now. And then the other thing is that I, you know, for my type of business, it's about having five to seven different sources of income and revenue. I think of them like faucets so that when four of them get turned off, you have three already going and you can work on the next four. So when, and that's, that's my approach. So when live event got put on pause, I've said, okay, well, I got to turn on the virtual event. Okay. Let me figure that out. Let me get a studio. Let me work it out. How do I figure that out? Okay. Let me get a podcast. Let me try YouTube for a year. Let me do online challenges. Like 
We've had 20,000 people go through online challenges this year where last year we didn't because I said, all right, I'm going to work on these two things while I, you know, while I wait for this other one to come back. And so that's always been my, my approach as far as when I knew to do it full time. A big question I tell people is, are you missing opportunities because you're not? So if somebody told me, John, I want to be a full time writer, I would go and say they had a day job. I would say, okay, do you write before work right now? Do you write on your lunch break? Do you write after work? Do you write on the weekends? And if you said no to me, all those, you don't want to be a writer. You like the story of being a writer, but you're not doing any of the action. So why would you quit? You're not even using the crevices of your day right now for writing. Why do you think you'll magically do that when you quit? Like, no, but if somebody else said, yeah, John, I already write, I'm, you know, I've been writing in the, you know, my car, like, I was doing radio interviews for my first book on my lunch break. I would use vacation days to go do speaking gigs. So like I knew, and then I would change in the bathroom stall and go back to my day job. So I knew like, okay, I've got, you know, and my, and it's easier for my wife to go, I'm seeing a lot of hustle. I'm seeing a lot of actions, not just announcements. So that's kind of the, the, the way I think about it. And I would rather you get pulled to an opportunity than push your way there. So an example that sometimes I'll see like a wedding photographer who has one good wedding season in the summer and goes, I'm going for it. And they push their way there versus they have one good one. They have a second good one, a third good one, a fourth good one. Where now it's such a big opportunity. It pulls them there versus them impulsively jumping their way there. And I think there's a big difference. Yeah, that is such good advice. And because literally like uh, people will ask me that too, like, you know, I talk about financial independence here and, but my, I would prefer people to find freedom, like not to think that having, you know, if they were to retire early or quit their jobs that all their answers would be solved. Like I would, my goal is like that people can experience a level of energy and time freedom as much as possible, depending on their responsibilities in the moment. Like to me, like if you can't find it somewhere in your life now and you're blaming, you know, things on everything else, these circumstances, which can be also not great is that when you do get the final freedom or all the money, I'm not saying that won't solve some things, but if you don't work on the internal stuff first and where you are right now, like it's still not going to be great. And I think you usually feel worse because you are all work, you know, you're hoping that this thing will be the final answer. And it's not, <laughs> it's not like one of the saddest moments is when you've made an idol of a situation and you finally get it. And you realize the car didn't fix you, the dream job. I mean, I, you know, my, my story is I was like, okay, I'm stressed on Sunday nights. It's probably because I have a job I don't love. So then I got a job I loved and I was like, I'm still stressed. If I worked for myself, then I wouldn't be stressed on Sunday nights. I start my own company. I'm still stressed on Sunday nights. So finally I had to stop and go, wait a second. I should work on that internally, not go, it's the job's fault because I kept changing. And it kept, the only thing consistent was me. And so I needed to go, okay, well, maybe I need to deal with that. So yeah, I tell people all the time, my income has scaled um, and my happiness didn't scale at the same rate. And if I, if I get confused by that, then I'm just even more unhappy. If I go, well, the next number, the next number, the next number. And so, yeah, I, I've, I've experienced that in my own life. And so I would rather know how I'm using the time and which lives I'm impacting and that gives me a joy more than, okay, a certain number or a certain pedestal that when I get there, I go, oh man, it wasn't what I thought it'd be. The other thing I wanted to just talk to you about is that, you know, I also have aspirations. I should say, you know, I, I consider myself a writer, you know, my, my, I'm journeying into the book publishing world myself and starting that. So it's very timely that we're having this conversation. And now I'm like, oh, I need some index cards, right? Like I need to, I need to like oh, nice, create it. Nice create an environment where it's, it's cultivating, um, my, my identity as a writer now. 
But for people listening, one of the things that you mentioned was like, you realize that every Sunday, even as your circumstances changes, as your income changed, you still had that issue. And same here, like, okay, I'm going to quit my job and then I'll feel better. And I quit my job and have my business and I'll feel better. But no, I need to make more money and then I'll feel better. And still, right? And so for someone who's like, all right, I feel that way now, John and Jamila. So what can I actually do to not be on this broken soundtrack or this broken action of thinking things will be better and they're not? What should they do right now? One of the lessons in the book is about the difference between a dial and a switch. And so I interviewed this person named David Thomas who's a counselor here in Nashville for this um, amazing counseling center called Daymark. And I asked him about that and he said, well, the problem is most people want there to be a switch. They want to find one thing that turns off all the stress forever. So they say, when I start my business, that'll be my switch. Or when I do yoga, yoga will be my switch. Or when I have my own podcast, whatever. And it works for a little while. Like yoga chills you out. You have a good week, maybe even a good month, maybe even a good whole quarter. But then life gets stressful again. And he said, The reality is it's not a switch, it's a dial. Your dial is going to go up to 11 sometimes. There's going to be a pandemic you didn't expect. Your your daughter's going to get a cold, like whatever. And then in those moments, it's about figuring out how to turn your dial down. Because if you have a switch mentality, you continually are on a switch hunt. You find the one, you go, this is it, and then it doesn't work. And so you go, ah, got to find another one, another one, another one, another one. And it's really stressful versus a dial approach, you go, oh, wow, I'm noticing that I'm feeling really stressed or, oh, no, I'm, I'm noticing that this situation with my family or this situation at work or I haven't been, you know, getting enough exercise. I haven't been sleeping well. It's got my dial at 11. What are the things that I can personally do to turn it down? And they're individual to each person. Like for me, I love to run. There's a lot of people that hate running, but running for me is good endorphins. It's easy to do. I can just go right out my front door. Some people like cycling. I don't like cycling. I don't like any activity that involves getting hit by cars. Like, that's just kind of how, how I think. So you figure out what are some of my turn down techniques and then how do I apply them when I sense that my dial's at an 11? Yeah, I'm laughing when you talked about running because I literally just posted, I run too, but I don't like it, but I should stop saying I don't like it because then that just makes it a not great experience. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You should, no, no, yeah. You should, what you should say, the soundtrack is I'll feel awesome after. I'll feel awesome after because you will. Right. Which is the reason I run. Like, I feel like the only reason I run is because of endorphins that stop. And like, I feel invincible. I'm just like, it's the cheapest therapy ever. It's the best. But I don't understand. You have to help me, John. While you are running, you enjoy it. Because while I'm running, I want to like, I want to fight everybody. I want to fight myself. It's like, it's just, I just, I, there's moments, there's moments where I go, I'm so glad I did this. But also like, I'm telling myself that I focus, I overfocus on the end and ignore the beginning. I don't focus on how cold it is, if it's dark out, if it's rainy out, like getting my gear on. I don't focus on that. I think about the beginning in black and white. I think about the end in technicolor. So I imagine, oh, I'm sitting on my, on my front step and I've got a coffee and I'm, I've done it and I'm sweaty and I'm so proud and I, the, the numbers add up in Strava. And like, so no, I'm over focusing on the payout versus what it's going to take. And then during it, I'm either listening to a podcast or I'm listening to an audio book. I'll listen to an audiobook for the first couple of miles and then I'll turn it into hype music at the end. So like I'm being very deliberate about the process to kind of gamify it in a way that I actually enjoy it. And then and then like but like when I run half marathons, every time at mile 11 I'm like this is stupid. Why did I sign up for this? Why do people keep letting me do these? And then like by the end of it though I'm like that was dope. I just did another half marathon. I should do another one. But at mile 11 I'm furious. I'm furious at me. I'm furious at like life and the road, like everything. Well, first of all, John, I love that your mile 11 is mile mile one. I'm just like, 
Yeah, well, I mean, that's that's part of the process. But like, I have friends that run fifty miles in the woods. I'm like, I don't like. No, that's that's way too many miles. Um, so it's all relative to to how long you do it. All right, but you know, I love that you said that. You know, I talked about before, like starting with the end in mind. But in some instances. That works better when you are more looking forward to the end result. And the beginning sucks. The beginning of a run, like, I don't want to do that. Like, it's cold out. It's dark. Like, no, like, ugh. Like, no, not at all. Okay, I love that. And I'm going to now um, be more conscious and more deliberate about how I'm thinking about it when I'm going in. Okay, the last thing I want to understand or talk to you about is financial independence and freedom. So you seem to have a very successful business. And from the outside looking in life. And one of the things that I'm always questioning or asking people who have that is if you didn't have to do this anymore, like, would that be your choice? Could you make that choice? Or is the choice right now is like, I do this because I want to. And what is your idea of what freedom looks like for you? Yeah, I do it because I want to. Um, I financially feel very fortunate for, for where things are right now. But I would do it still. I need, I enjoy the purpose. I enjoy helping people. I enjoy being on stage. I enjoy doing a podcast. So for me, yeah, I really enjoy it. And I know that, I mean, I'm only 45. I need purpose. So if I, you know, if somebody said tomorrow, you have to retire and not do anything, I'd say that doesn't sound fun. And so my, you know, financially, could I retire today? Maybe. Would I? Never. Like, that's not, I, like, if you love what you do, why would I do less of it? I want to be 65, 70 and be like the elder statesman still going to help companies, still going to help. And like, I don't have a job I'm trying to escape from. I have a life I love and that I get to do this and get paid for it is amazing to me. So the, I feel like there's, there's definitely financial goals and we, we look at kind of a 15 year window and a five year window and a 10 year window and we do all the planning and we've, you know, we've worked really hard at that. But I, yeah, if, if somebody, if somebody gave me $20 million tomorrow and, and was like here, like you, now you don't have to work. I'd still work. Cause I love it. Yeah. I love that. And I think I hope, and that's my wish for everyone is to like have the financial stability, but be, be able to reach that. John, thank you so much. This was an amazing conversation. Tell everyone where they can find more about you and your book. Sure. Well, I mean, the, the best thing would go be check out the podcast. I have a podcast called all it takes is a goal listen to the Colleen Berry episode. She lost her job and had to take four jobs to survive. And one of them was as a receptionist and she changed her mindset. And now she's the CEO of that company. So if listeners are like, okay, I need some inspiration. Colleen Berry on All It Takes a Goal. She is a baller. Um, and then the book is available, soundtracksbook.com. And I'm John Acuff on all the social media channels. Awesome. Thank you. Of course. Have a great one. All right. I really hope you enjoyed that insightful conversation with John Acuff. Here's the thing. Like I said, and like we talked about, this is something that we all deal with. We, we all have an internal track, right? A soundtrack that we play. And I really love when we talked about the subconscious soundtracks that we play, because sometimes we don't even know that we're playing it. It's so, it, it comes so quick. And so I really thought that this was going to be helpful for you on your journey to reach your life goals, your money goals, whatever goals you have. Because at the end of it all, it's us. We are the rocket. We are the fuel. We are what will get us to the next place and location in our lives and destination of journeys. So we have to make sure we are operating in the best vehicle we can. We have to make sure we're putting the best fuel into our bodies that we can. And so it's not just food and how we feel about our environment, but inward to outward. How are we talking to ourselves? 
how are we thinking about things, right? And so I really hope that this interview helps you go further and farther. By the way, if something stood out to you or you got a quotable from this interview, tag me and John. So I hang out on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. I always love your feedback. I'm at Journey to Launch. But take a screenshot, share it on your social media, tag me at Journey to Launch, tag John at J-O-N-A-C-U-F-F. He's on Instagram over there at John Acuff. Tag us in your stories, on your main feed. Tell us a takeaway. Tell us something that you're going to change about how you think. What's a soundtrack you need to turn down? All right, I can't wait to see your responses. Okay, don't forget, if you want to join Terry Ijeoma and I on October 27th to hear more about how to learn to trade as a side hustle or your full-time hustle to reach your goals, come join us. Go to journeytolaunch.com slash trade class. The class is happening on October 27th at 8.30 p.m. Eastern time. So come join us, journeytolaunch.com slash trade class. Don't forget, you can get the episode show notes for this episode by going to journeytolaunch.com or click the description of wherever you're listening to this. And you can still grab your jumpstart guide for free to help you on your journey to financial freedom by going to journeytolaunch.com slash jumpstart. If you want to support me and the podcast and love the free content and information that you get here, here are four ways that you can support me in the show. One, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast wherever you listen, whether that's Apple Podcasts, that purple app on your phone, your Android device, YouTube, Spotify, wherever it is that you happen to listen, just subscribe so you are not missing an episode. And if you're happening to listen to this in Apple Podcasts, rate, review, and subscribe there. I appreciate and read every single review. Number two, follow me on my social media accounts. I'm at Journey to Launch on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And I love, love, love interacting with journeyers there. Three, support and check out the sponsors of this show if you hear something that interests you. Sponsors are the main ways we keep the podcast lights on here, so show them some love for supporting your girl. Four, and last but not least, share this episode, this podcast with a friend or family member or coworker so that we can spread the message of Journey to Launch. All right, that's it. Until next week, keep on journeying, journeyers. Journeyers.